we go from here? You know, in a recent census report that came back, I think it was in the paper, the village of Camden is now just under 2,000 people. And Ronnie Floyd made a statement last week that really captivated me. Listen to me, church. When he talked about what is the Great Commission, remember he defined it? Looking at Matthew 28, he said that it's presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person in the world and making disciples of every nation. He challenged us to be reminded that the Great Commission is about reaching, baptizing, and teaching. And then as the Southern Baptist Convention leader, he offered this 2025 challenge, which said to reach every person for Christ in every town, every city, every state, and every nation. And then he made this statement that has captivated me over this past week. He said, you are one of the few churches that could do that. Do you remember him saying that? And what he was saying is, God has strategically placed us in a small town. We're not talking about the tens of thousands. We're talking about less than 2,000 homes in the village of Camden proper that we could literally give them an invitation and the gospel in their home because of where God has put us for such a time as this. And that will be my challenge for us as a church before Christmas. If the Lord tarries, to at least let our neighbors know that there's a big God who loves you. And if you don't have a home church, we would love to invite you to the corner. You know, a lot of times people will say, what church is that? And then we get to the point of saying, the church across from the gas station. I want us to become, I want it to become the gas station across the street from the church. Are you with me? Because of what Christ has done. So this morning, when you think about the Great Commission, be reminded in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, that Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So the promise we're given is, Jesus has authority. He has authority. He has what we need. And then he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He gives the promise of his presence, meaning that I will be with you. So this morning, I want us to look at the power. I want us to look at the power when it comes to taking the Great Commission to the world. So if you're in Acts chapter 1, I want you to join me there, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Now keep in mind, Luke is the writer of Acts. A lot of times we think Paul is, but really it's the Acts of the Apostles. It's the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Yeah, it's, it's the missionary journeys of Paul. But Luke records it. And he says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, that gospel, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. How many of you believe this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ is alive? Amen. We believe that. We don't apologize for that. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And the Bible says for 40 days, 
post-death, burial, and resurrection, he appears. He's proof being seen by them during the 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And this promise is that there would be a comforter who would come. And this would be the Holy Spirit. That when Jesus went back to heaven, God would live inside of the believer through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Now there's no greater compliment to a church and being referred to as the Acts 1-8 church. Because when you realize that God's called you for a specific place, you recognize that God is not content with the gospel remaining in one place. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Jerusalem is right where you live, right where you're at. This is right where God has put us. Camden is our Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, those uh, where the circle begins to get a little larger, associates in your life. Maybe that bank teller you see uh, once a week or every now and then, uh, that, that waiter or waitress at the restaurant, that co-worker. Samaria, maybe Ohio, parts of America we haven't been. You know, for a long time, the furthest west I'd ever been in my life was Vincennes, Indiana. Say, Brother Greg, how do you remember that? You'd remember it too if you traveled with a basketball team and sat on the bench the whole game. Folks, we live in a big world, do we not? We live in a big, big world. And we're recognizing as we look at the scope of the world, especially with the 24-7 news coverage, that we're living in a world that has all kinds of beliefs. All kinds of beliefs. Jesus is reminding them that there is a supernatural power that's going to help you in your life as a believer. And folks, I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is alive and well. You see, God is still convicting hearts, and God is still calling people to the cross, and God is still getting the attention of believers. And, and don't you get discouraged if that loved one or that co-worker or that neighbor or your best friend doesn't believe in God the way you believe. Listen, your enemy is not somebody who disagrees with you. The enemy is a devil who has sold people a lie. And if Jesus Christ, who walked on earth, was perfect, and we believe he was, do we not? Sinless, gave, absolutely, gave people absolutely no reason to not like him was hated by some, then let's get ready for this thing called life we live in because there's not everybody going to agree with you and me when it comes to the precious story and truth of God's Word. Post-resurrection, the Bible reminds us that Jesus spends his time with a faithful group that followed him 
to encourage them, listen, that you're going to receive power. As a matter of fact, when you look at verse 4, Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Two things in verse 4 get my attention. The first one is, he says, don't depart. It's important to be in the right place. Amen? It is important to be in the right place. Listen, some folks have gotten accustomed to not being at church because we've gotten used to watching it online. Listen, if you're watching online and, and that's the only way you can worship, praise God you're with us. Amen, church? But folks, don't let that become the norm in your life if you can. There is something about being together. Um, I, sh I shared earlier that when I come to the pulpit, I bring a manuscript. I'm not sharp enough just to pick a few words and, and know what I'm going to preach and preach it like, like some of my heroes do. And I've also come to the point that I type my own manuscript out from my handwritten notes. And when I mistype a word, sometimes I do not take time to go back and correct the word. You know why? Because you'll never see it. But I'm looking at it. And this is my first sentence in the message today. As we celebrated in a very special way last week, we, became, or we came tighter to, to one service. What? It really was together. We came together for one service. But the more I thought about that, the more it makes sense. We, we do get tighter. We do become tighter when we worship together. And I'm telling you, last week was just a trip down memory lane that I absolutely loved. Was anybody tired last Sunday night, Monday? We came into the office Monday morning, and I told Judy, I have zero expectations today. You can do whatever you want, Judy. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to boss you one bit. We become tighter. Uh, we became tighter being able to fellowship. They did not Wendy serve us a great meal. Oh, it was wonderful. And then we came back and we had, uh, I had people say, oh, I love the, the uh, Gaither homecoming style worship in the second service. That's what growing together is about and that takes place when we come together in the form of corporate worship Jane was back last week from surgery good to see you again today Jane doing good we hurt with each other do we not as we've already found out this morning and yet we praise the Lord together uh, what a blessing it's been in my life to to see some of these kids born graduate, married, and have kids of their own. At the same time, it's humbling and hard to say goodbye to those we love as years pass. And I praise the Lord that he does bring us together for his glory. <coughs> but don't get used to not coming together. Now, I must say, as your, as your pastor, this second strain has got me a little concerned. We withstood the test of the first one. God help us, right? Give us wisdom. Protect people. 
Help us to make good decisions. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I want to start wearing masks again. You feel fr- anybody feel free to do that, okay? Anybody feel free to do that. I'm not going to let the world dictate what I think is a good decision for my, me and Renee. Do what you feel best as your family, and that's how we get through things together by respecting each other for the glory of God. So he says, don't depart. Be in the right place. If Jesus comes back on Sunday, I want to be in church. If Jesus comes back, I want him to find me looking for his return. So he says, don't depart. Another thing he says is wait. Wait. Don't try to do it in your own strength. Because I'm going to send the power. And in Acts chapter 2, the power falls. And the, the, the church is birthed. And the church is now on mission for God and not doing it in their own strength of limited people, but now doing it through the power and the grace of God. Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit. Now, mark your Bible here, okay? Put your ribbon right here in Acts 1 and go to John chapter 14 because it's important that we're reminded of the role of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 And I'll begin verse 15. John 14, 15. If you're with me, say amen. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, the Holy Spirit, paraclete, that he might abide with you, listen, forever. Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Here is a good promise every Christian needs to hear this morning. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and he's not going anywhere. Brothers and sisters, you are saved by the grace of God. There's nobody in this room today hanging on by your fingertips like some American ninja hoping you don't fall into the water. You're not holding on, hoping that you don't mess up. I've got news for all of us. We all mess up. I am going to heaven based on the fact Jesus died for me, and the Bible says no man can pluck me out of the Father's hand. He's the one who does the saving, and I'm not going to spend my life wondering if I've got it or not. When I was a 14-year-old boy, the Holy Spirit bore witness in my heart that Jesus loved me, died on the cross for me, and on that Tuesday night saved me. Remember the story I told you years ago? I was standing outside in between the buildings. Some car whipped in. Some lady I'd never met jumped out and said, are you the pastor? I said, I am. You know, there's sometimes when you're proud to be the pastor, there's sometimes when you're not sure if you should be. And, she, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm him. She goes, the Spirit has told me to stop here and tell you that you need the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what to do. I, I just went, shazam. No, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't do that. I said, ma'am, I received the Holy Spirit as a 14-year-old boy when I got saved. She goes, no, I'm talking about something supernatural, something that's added to that. And I said, ma'am, I appreciate your concern for my soul, but I believe based on Scripture, I'm saved. I'm not going to get another revelation from God about my salvation. It's, It's 
by one spirit. By one spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Bi isn't it interesting that the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the helper? You see, folks, God wants to help our life, not hurt us. Someone say, well, I, boy, if I become a Christian, I just, I, I just quit having fun. My question is, how can you lay your head down on your Bible? Or you might sleep with your Bible there. But how could you lay your head down on your pillow at night, unsure of where you would go if you were to take your last breath? I don't call that fun. You see, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit in your life and my life, I call that peace. And man, we're living in a world that's ravaged, are we not? We're living in a world that, that thinks the answer is who's the president of the United States or something in Washington. We're living in a world that is looking for something, and I'm telling you, you listen to me, Christian, you have what they're looking for. That's why Jesus said this, this gospel mission, this ministry that I'm calling believers to is going to be way bigger than just your Jerusalem. I'm going to empower you to take the gospel to the world. And I praise the Lord for that. Look at verse 17 in John 14. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you. Who is that? The Holy Spirit of God. Look at chapter 16, John. John 16. What's the job of the Holy Spirit? Verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged you see the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of sin that's the promise that God gives that if you let me do what I can do and what I can do only I'm the one who can convict of sin what are you saying brother Greg I'm saying that any good evangelist or evangelistic preacher worth their salt can make people feel lost if they want to you know, like if you say things like this, are you, are you closer to God this morning than you've ever been? If you're not, you need to recommit your life to Christ. But I'm telling you, you are not saved by man's persuasion. You are saved by the power of God through the Holy Spirit's conviction that I need a Savior and Lord, I'm in trouble if, I, if it's not you. And when, I want you to think about when you got saved. Some of you ran down the aisle when you got saved. Some of you knelt your knee in your living room. Some of you were with your parents. I've got a new job. Uh, some of you don't know this. I've taken on a new job. And uh, Stacy is bringing Kobe to uh, Camden Elementary, now Preble Shawnee Elementary. And she gets to school about 8.15, and, and Kobe has to be at school at 9. So she'd been dropping Kobe off to me at 8.15, and my job is to get him safely to school, Stephanie, at 9. Are you with me? 
The other day, when we began to walk, we start walking about 10 till. As soon as we, we got to the road, I didn't do anything, but I received something, and that was I felt Kobe's hand reaching for mine. Now, I must say that I love that. And it reminds me of God's love for us, that he reaches for us. And when he went to Calvary, it wasn't just about dying for our sin. He says, I'm going to give you something when I come back to heaven, when I raise from the grave and ascend, I'm going to give you something that you're going to have forever that will empower you to live the Christian life from the moment you say yes to Jesus. I'll have your hand. That was the promise of God. Now, let's go back to Acts 1, okay? Acts chapter 1. And let's go to that verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I believe when you look at Acts 1-8, there are some key words. The first one's power. I mean, we sing about it, do we not? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's power in his name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. Acts 4-12. There's power. But that power is to become personal. Because the Bible says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you you we want a spirit-filled church it should start with spirit-filled believers me and you and then God says I just don't lay it out there and you just you just uh, ramble a long life and try to figure it out he says I've got a plan you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem right where you're at right where you live right where you begin and then you take the gospel to the world the place so what is it about being called the witness? What are we called to be witnesses of? It's the gospel. Uh, jot down these three things. It's wherever you are. It's whatever you do. It's whenever you can. Wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever you can. You see, I believe Acts 1-8 is not just a plea to the church. It's a call to all of us to be on mission, every believer, trusting God, telling people about Jesus, and loving Him. Now, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 that this gospel is a simple message. Ephesians 1, 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. You see, the gospel is about what Jesus did for you. Wherever you are, so that could be school tomorrow or cross the fence to a neighbor. That could be on the ball team or at the grocery store. Whatever you're doing, whenever God opens up a door. And brothers and sisters, I believe if you wake up in the morning and say, God, would you give me an opportunity? God, I pray you give me an opportunity to tell somebody about you today. I believe and I'm a witness that you don't have to look very far. God will make that happen. He'll make it happen. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, you're on his team. Amen?
The other night I went down and watched the Landmark Eagles play football. Isaac and Peyton and Ella, Daniel. We left the house Friday night. Roy went with me, and I said, Roy, you think we ought to stop by the church and get an umbrella? Oh, no, it ain't going to rain. Holy Toledo. But we got down there, and Stacy said, Dad, aren't you coming to the Shawnee game? And I said, no, I'm down to watch these boys play in New Miami. And before long, they sent me to score the Shawnee game, and I replied like this, we're up 14 to nothing. Her, rep her response was, we're up 14 to nothing, Dad. We, you, when did you become a landmark eagle? I said about 14 minutes ago. When you give your life to Christ, folks, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is we. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I am in you. That's the good news of the gospel. Now, mark your Bible. Okay, let me see you. Mark it. Now, I want you to flip to the right, and I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to look at two verses, 21 and 22. So we're in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now here's what Paul writes. Four things God does when we're saved. First of all, he establishes us, the Bible says. That means he confirms us. Let me tell you this morning, there are two who know you're saved for sure. You know if you're saved, if it was sincere, and God the Father knows. He anoints us, the Bible says. Your, your translation may use the word unction. It's a special commission that God gives the believer. And then the Bible says, he seals us. He seals us. The picture here is of a, a signet ring that, that marks something. Uh, that is a private mark that seals. Yet, even in that, God says, the promised Holy Spirit would serve as a guarantee. A guarantee that we belong to him and that we're saved. The guarantee word here is, is kind of where you get the word earnest. Um, maybe, I believe the first house we bought, we had to put earnest money down. And earnest money means that you're serious about the transaction. That you have every intent to follow through. You see, the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer is God's guarantee to assure you and me of every future blessing which includes eternal life with him forever and I want to submit to you this morning that we are saved by the blood of Jesus anybody want to say amen we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and while Jesus took the marks of Calvary we're marked by his blood through faith and when you give your life to Jesus Christ just as W.A. Criswell wrote in his Bible notes 
the last blessing when you look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he who establishes it in verse 21, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God has also sealed us and has given us the spirit and the hearts as a guarantee. Chriswell says, the last blessing references the first promise which guarantees full payment to follow. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that you're saved. You say, well, Brother Greg, what happens when I mess up? Let's just make sure we understand something in this room this morning. We all will mess up from time to time. The difference in a believer who is being led by the Holy Spirit is you don't stay living messed up. You come to God. You come back home. You repent of your sin. You say, God, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. You go to people that you've hurt and said, I'm sorry. Christians don't act like that. Christians don't say things like that. I'm sorry. And according to Scripture, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, he's faithful to forgive. Why? Because he has saved us, and the Spirit is a guarantee. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So when we're saved, our desire should be to follow God. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. And heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, uh, we may also be glorified together. So, we're called to be witnesses. We're called to follow him. And just be reminded in this 2 Corinthians passage that God does four things. I, I think this is number two in your outline. He establishes us, he anoints us, he seals us. Then he gives us the spirit as a guarantee. So what does salvation really involve? You ready? What does it really involve? When you look at Romans chapter 8, when the Bible says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, salvation involves repentance. That means being sorry enough to quit. It means turning from your sin and turning to God. You know, I, I love football, and, and many of you do too, and, and boy, the Ohio State band will be playing before long, and I've always wanted to dot that I. Have you? I've always wanted to dot that I. I remember one game I was watching, and the camera was right on the guy, the guy with the tuba getting ready to dot the I. He was right there on the field, and all of a sudden, the camera went crazy, and they said that when uh, the tuba player bent over, he hit the camera. I would be the guy in the marching band who doesn't want to practice and when the band started going this way for some reason I'm going the wrong way when you repent you turn the right way you turn from your sin and you turn to God you know what else it involves the Bible says in that Romans 8:15, for you did not receive the spirit of adoption to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry Abba Father that's a personal term that God is not some God out there on the, on the cloud 
just waiting to drill us when we do wrong, that we can have a personal relationship with a holy God. There's relationship when you're saved. And then lastly, there's reward. If children and heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, do you realize this morning, brothers and sisters, as Christians, heaven is your home one day? You say, Brother Greg, this sure doesn't seem like heaven on earth. That's because it's not. That's why our prayer ought to be, uh, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what else is a picture of your salvation? Assurance. Assurance. Now, if the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us, the Holy Spirit's job is also to help us understand that we can have confidence in our salvation. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. You see, the evidence of assurance of salvation when you look at repentance, when you look at relationship, when you look at reward, the evidence of assurance is that we're convicted of our sin and because of the word of God, I will stand on the promises that I can have assurance, but there's also this thing called fruit. Evidence of assurance in your Christian walk is that there's fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness gentleness so there's something that that should come out of your life that would glorify God you say brother Greg I'm a miserable Christian okay I, I appreciate your honesty if that's something you're saying this is my my follow-up question then are you sure you're a saved Christian no, I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about this Joel Osteen stuff that, that makes everybody feel good. We're sinners and we need a Savior. And I'm not talking that everybody who loves Jesus has a big bank account and is rich. We know that's not true. What I am saying is that there ought to be evidence in your life that when Jesus remarkably saves you from your sin, that he is first place in your life and there's fruit that people can see as part of your testimony for the glory of God. Boy, I tell you, my tomatoes this year, why was the Preble County Fair so early? I would have taken every blue ribbon, but I had two plants that I planted late, and they're the most healthy-looking plants of the whole garden, and they're just now starting to turn those tomatoes and every tomato I'm picking right now is rotted from the bottom I know you feel my pain what am I saying brother Greg you better make sure that you're saved and you're not living a life that just looks good on the outside that the side that people can see because if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you're still rotten. 
You say, Brother Greg, I know Christians that are rotten. You're right. That's because of our old nature. That's because of our old nature. But what Jesus wants to do is save you and clean you up. And one day, I know this is awful uh, picture, but we're here now. One day, God will present you as a beautiful, perfect, whole, I'm not going to say tomato, soul, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I close with this. Assurance that you're saved is the Holy Spirit living in you. That's where the power comes from. The other day I was having this weird thing going on with my computer in, in the, the office here at church. I'd move my mouse, but the arrow on the computer screen, it was like two or three seconds behind. Something was wrong. I know it's wrong. It's uh, wireless. I need to go back to Marsha's closet and get two new batteries. Put two new batteries in, nothing. Did the exact same thing. Well, it must be the keyboard. Went and changed the batteries to the keyboard, did the same thing, and I'm thinking, man, alive, what in the world's going on? Am I going to have to tell Dean that my computer's not working right? And then it hit me. Wait a minute, this is wireless. Where's that little disk thing that sits by the printer where that signal bounces off that wireless deal? And I pulled the shelf out, and lo and behold, it was back there buried amongst the cords pulled it out, set it where it was supposed to go. Guess what started working? A mouse. You know what that the remote thing reminded me of? The Holy Spirit. It ain't going to work if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Oh, you may have some hitchy times as Christians and some up times. Oh, that was a great service and, and emotional roller coaster stuff. But if you don't have Jesus, folks, it is not going to come together. And when you have Jesus... According to my Bible, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Ghost, comes into your heart and will not leave you and seals you until the day of redemption. So I'm not leaving this room today thinking that this world is out of control and this world is absolutely crazy and I'm scared to death. I'm leaving this room today saying I'm a pastor of a church who believes the Word of God, and the Word of God says Jesus is coming again, and nothing that happens in this world is not filtered through His hands, and I'm just going to trust the Creator until He decides to come get us. I'm not going to wring my hands in my house and say, Renee, I'm not going anywhere. I'm scared. Well, it's okay to be scared from time to time, folks, but listen, don't live in that lane. Trust the one who's going to take you to heaven. And, and, and I know as, as we get older, I, you know, we all deal with different things, right? And, and, and our bodies break down some and need tune-ups, and, and you find out you're going to the doctor more than the mechanic now, and, and, and things are just different. God's, God's he's okay. He, he can walk, he's okay to walk with me and walk with you. And according to Scripture, as a believer, think about when you got saved. You haven't walked a day by yourself since you gave your heart to Christ. So, you think we can take the gospel to Camden before Christmas? I think we can. Not everybody's going to say, oh, thanks for coming. But we're going to give them an opportunity. We're going to give them an opportunity to look at something maybe they don't know. Think about the person that introduced you to Jesus.
And all God wants to do is for you or that person to walk across the parking lot, all God wants to do is for you to allow him to take your hand and he'll take you all the way home. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for mercy and grace and everything that you're, you're about. But right here, right now, in the, in the quietness of this invitation is where you, the Holy Spirit, work. And Christian, if you're here today, why don't you just thank the Lord for saving you. Thank him for saving you. But if you're unsure of that, if you're just unsure, I mean, if, if, if every time I give an invitation, it, it, it just kind of really makes you uncomfortable, it might be that God's just saying, settle it, settle it. How about today? In the, right now, in the quietness of your heart, oh God, Lord, I want to make sure I'm saved. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior, as my only hope. Thank you, Lord, that you died, was buried, and that you rose from the dead. I believe it. And I accept it right now by faith. Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. Christian, it might be time for you to just say, God, I'm sorry. I've been running the wrong way. I've been running with the wrong crowd. I've been doing the wrong stuff. And God, I need to recommit my life to you today. Would you forgive me? Have your way, Lord. Lead us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing that same chorus we sang earlier. If you prayed to receive Christ today, I want to say, let's all stand. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to come and share that. Let us rejoice with you. You might just want to come and pray. But let's lift our voice and sing. Come on. Lead me. stand with me. I'm going to ask Dick McKee if he'll come and stand with me. Okay. Any veterans that are here, come on. Come stand with us. We're going to pray for these two, okay, as, as parents of one that's serving. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Dick, I'm going to have you pray, okay, over these two. Dan and Lori, okay? Can we bow our heads? 
Thank you. Thank you for these that are standing here. Thank you for your service. Father, give him the strength they need. Give him this, the feeling of safety for her. And Father, that your hand is upon her. We ask you to guide her, to keep her safe, Father, and return her back home safely to her parents and to her home family here at the church. Father, we ask you now to guide us, direct us in your way, and help us, Lord, to be in your will. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. And as we